First Samuel. Let's open to First Samuel this morning. First Samuel chapter one. I'm going to read about. Well, we all know the story about Hannah and Samuel. But uh, we're going to look at Elkanah a little bit this morning. We're going to look at all of them, but mainly Elkanah. That's Hannah's husband who had a role to play in the man who anointed the greatest king, Samuel anointed the, the King David. And uh, this obscure man uh, and his dear wife had a part in that. So, all right, First Samuel, Samuel chapter 1 <clears throat> and uh, verse 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramatham Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for life and liberty. And thank you for... uh, your word, and thank you for the free will and the choice to pick it up and read it and meditate upon it and dwell in it and and to see uh, see ourselves in your word and but most importantly to see you because without your word you would not be revealed to us Lord and and we need you we need you to reveal yourself to us because we are false and full of sin but you are full of truth and grace. And we need your truth and your grace this morning. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, minister to the hearts here this morning through your Holy Spirit and through your word. And I pray that uh, all things would be done according to your glory and to your honor. And I pray in Jesus Christ's name, amen. So this passage begins with a description of a man. And his name is Elkanah, and he's a descendant of Kohath. And, uh, he's of the, of the, uh, Levites. And the Kohathites had a a specific role. And just kind of looking at the background of Elkanah. And they had a specific role in the handling of the furniture of the tabernacle in the wilderness. Now, we're well into the uh, land of Israel here, we're just coming up on the book of Samuel. Well, we're in just beginning of the book of Samuel, and but it's been 
better part of 400 years, the children of Israel have been occupying the land of Canaan. We've just gotten through the uh, the book of Judges, which is just a a uh, a three ring circus uh, of judges and uh, repentance and apostasy and repentance and apostasy and and this has been going on longer than the United States has existed as a nation. This has been going on a long time, and they need some help. They need some hope. And people are just going through the motions, just falling and getting up again, falling and getting up again. The nation as a whole, falling and getting up again. But here we have, we have the beginning of something great. But nothing great can happen through God without there being certain things right. Because God is just and holy. And, uh, but we're going to learn a few things here, I hope, about uh, Elkanah and um, his part in uh, what God did through Hannah. But let's look a little bit at Elkanah's heritage. Uh, Numbers chapter 26. Uh, actually, yeah, Numbers chapter 4. Let's turn to Numbers chapter 4. A little bit of a Bible study here. Numbers chapter 4. Numbers chapter 4. Now the Lord is speaking to Moses and Aaron and telling them uh, how to divide the duties of the tabernacle. In verse 4 it says, This shall be the service of the sons of Kohath. Now Kohath is one of the three sons of Levi. There's uh, Gershom, Merari, and Kohath. Uh, verse 5, uh, and when the camp setteth forward, that's when they begin to move, Aaron shall come and his sons, and they shall take down the covering veil and cover the ark of testimony with it, and shall put therein the covering of badger skins, or thereon, sorry, thereon the covering of badger skins, and shall spread over it a cloth wholly of blue, and shall put in the staves thereof. And upon the table of showbread they shall spread a cloth of blue and put thereon the dishes and the spoons and the bowls and the covers to cover withal. And the continual bread shall be thereon. And they shall spread upon them a cloth of scarlet and cover the same with a covering of badger skins and shall put in the staves thereof. And they shall take a cloth of blue and cover the candlestick of the light and his lamps and his tongs and his snuff dishes and all the oil vessels thereof wherewith they minister unto it. And they shall put it and all the vessels thereof within a covering of badger skins and shall put it upon a bar. And upon the golden altar that shall spread a cloth of blue and cover it with a covering of badger skins and shall put two the staves thereof. And they shall take all the instruments of ministry wherewith they minister in the sanctuary and put them in a cloth of blue and cover them with a covering of badger skins and shall put them on a bar. And they shall take away the ashes from the altar and spread a purple cloth thereon. And they shall put upon it all the vessels thereof, wherewith they minister about it, even the censers, the flesh hooks, and the shovels, and the basins, all the vessels of the altar. And they shall spread upon it a covering of badger skins and put two of the staves of it. 
And when Aaron and his sons have made an end of covering the sanctuary and all the vessels of the sanctuary as the camp is to set forward, after that the sons of Kohath shall come to bear it. But they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. These things are the burden of the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of the congregation. This is Elkanah's heritage. It comes from this line of uh, Israel. The heritage that they've been given of the Lord is to bear burdens that nobody gets to see. Uh, Numbers, uh, let's see, let's read on in verse 17 here in chapter 4. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Cut ye not off the tribe of the families of the Kohathites from among the Levites. Now, how would they do this? How would they cut them off? The Lord says, don't cut them off. Well, how, how is that possible? Verse 19. But thus do unto them that they may live and not die. When they approach unto the most holy things. We just read about that them not seeing or touching the holy things or touching the holy things. Aaron and his son shall go in and appoint them every one to his service and to his burden, but they shall not go in to see when the holy things are covered, lest they die. So Aaron and his sons are responsible for ensuring that the sons of Kohath don't accidentally show up before they've covered everything. They're not allowed, they're not allowed to see that which they carry. They're not allowed to see it. Not allowed to touch it. And they may inadvertently touch it because they can't see it. And so Aaron and his sons go in and they instruct the Kohathites, grab it right here, hold this, do this, do that. They are responsible for the lives of these men. That's a big responsibility. But they don't get to carry the burden. <laughs> it's an interesting uh, thing about the body of th- this body of people, this collective group of people, is that uh, some are responsible for lives and, and keeping other people alive, and the others are responsible for carrying burdens that nobody else can. And it's a, it's a very interesting thing here. Turn over to, uh, let's look at Numbers chapter 7. Go forward a few chapters, Numbers chapter 7. Numbers chapter 7. Let's start in uh, verse 1. We'll read through verse 9. And it came to pass on the day that Moses had fully set up the tabernacle and had anointed it and sanctified it and all the instruments thereof, both the altar and all the vessels thereof, and had anointed them and sanctified them that the princes of Israel, heads of the house of their fathers, who were the princes of the tribes, and were over them that were numbered, offered. Well, what what did they offer? And they brought their offering before the Lord, six covered wagons and 12 oxen. Now, if you do the math, that's two oxen per wagon. 
a wagon for two of the princes and for each one an ox. And so this is what the, these people put forth as an offering collectively. And they brought them before the tabernacle. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take it of them, that they may be to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. So we're going to use these oxen and these wagons for the service of the tabernacle. And thou shalt give them unto the Levites, to every man according to his service. And Moses took the wagons and the oxen and gave them unto the Levites. Two wagons and four oxen he gave unto the sons of Gershon according to their service. And four wagons and eight oxen he gave unto the sons of Merari according unto their service under the hand of Ithamar the son of Aaron the priest. Now, if you do the math, that's uh, two wagons and four wagons. That's six wagons total so far. And uh, and eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve oxen. Well, that's it. We've He's given them all away. Well, what about the sons of Kohath? Verse 9, but unto the sons of Kohath he gave none. Because the service of the sanctuary belonging unto them was that they should bear upon their shoulders. Seems a little unfair. (laughs) It does seem unfair. There's a lot of weight in this tabernacle. There's a ton of stuff that needs to be moved in whenever. I mean, they wandered in the wilderness for how many years? I mean, if you, if uh, somebody once did a, uh, kind of tried tracing where they went with a little red line, you know, they get the, the Sinai wilderness and they start here and they start just kind of going around tracing the, and it looks like a spaghetti dinner when it's all done with. It's just all over the place, you know. <laughs> the Levites, you know, the, the, uh, the uh, Merari, the sons of Merari and the, and the, the sons of, uh, Gershon, they pack it all up, load it onto the wagons, giddy up. Sons of Kohath, they got to pick it up and carry it on their shoulders. You know, sometimes God has a holiness about him that says to, to that basically in so many words says you're not allowed they're allowed but you're not because what you have to do is is to carry that which the tabernacle covers you get to carry the most precious the most important thing and you don't get to see it you don't get to touch it. You don't ever get to see its beauty. Nada. Just carry the burden. Just carry it in. It's going to be on your shoulder. It's going to dig into your muscles. It's not going to be comfortable. This is Elkanah's heritage. This is where his family line comes from. Now, there is an instance later on. Let's turn to Numbers chapter 26. Numbers chapter 26. (laughs) 
Now, there was a brouhaha in the, uh, in the, among the tribes here. 26, 9, chapter uh, 26, Numbers, chapter 26, verse 9. And the sons of Eliab, Nemuel, and Dathan, and Abiram, this is that Dathan and Abiram, which were famous in the congregation who strove against Moses and against Aaron and the company of Korah, when they strove against the Lord. And the earth opened her mouth. So you remember they they uh, wanted to uh, rise above their station and do more than what the Lord had asked them to do. And they offered strange fire. And the, yeah, so the Lord, Moses said, the Lord, you're going to have to do something a little bit special here. And so the Lord opens the earth and swallows up the whole camp of, of Dathan and Byram and Korah. Well, wait a second. Elkanah is a great-great-great-grandson of Korah. He's from the son of Kohath. Kohath, and then his sons, uh, one of his sons is Korah. And uh, Elkanah is a descendant of Korah. And the earth, verse 10, And the earth swall- opened her mouth and swallowed them up together with Korah when that company died, what time the fire devoured 250 men and they became a sign Notwithstanding, verse 11, the children of Korah died not. Now, over in uh, chapter 16, go back to chapter 16, verse 27, we get a little more of a real picture here of what takes place. Chapter 16, verse 27. This is the event. So they got up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. So the Lord in the previous verse, he says, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men and touch nothing of theirs, lest ye be consumed in all their sins. And verse 27, And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents and their wives and their sons and their little children. And Moses said, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of mine own mind. If these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord hath not sent me. But if the Lord make a new thing, and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick, that's alive, into the pit, then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. And it came to pass, as he had made an end of speaking all these words, that the ground clave asunder that was under them, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses, and all the men that appertained unto Korah, and all their goods. They and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. But we read in chapter 26, that the children escaped. This is one of those children was Elkanah's great-grandfather. Back, back generations, great-great-great-grandfather. So this is Elkanah's heritage. He was among those people that rose up against Moses. He was from that family line. I, I imagine there was a little bit more of a, oh yeah, the sons of Koath, the Lord judged their family, you know. But the children are innocent. The children are innocent. They should not. The Lord says He will visit the the uh, 
He says the, the Lord will visit the, the iniquity of the, of the, of the fathers of the third and fourth generations. But he doesn't say he'll visit the sins of the father, just the iniquities. Iniquity is a, a word that's a, a very much akin to inequity. And a man, no man liveth to himself and dieth to himself. And if you, you are inequitable in your life, your children will bear, bear some of that inequity. Those, that in, iniquity, moral issues. But the Lord does not punish the children for the sins of the fathers here. The children escaped. It says, notwithstanding, the children of Kohath were not destroyed. It's an interesting, uh, different, there's this distinction there. The Lord does that which is right. Shall not the judge of the whole earth do right? We may not understand it all, and, and this is a mild situation in comparison to some that we could think of nowadays. But um, the Lord is just and right. So, that's, Co- that's uh, Elkanah's heritage. He's a descendant of Kohath, one of the three sons of Levi. They had a specific role, bearing burdens that nobody gets to see. And the burdens that they are not worthy to be carried on a wagon. Carried. So Elkanah, back to First Samuel. Back to First Samuel. Now I believe that households become clans, and clans become tribes, and tribes become peoples, and peoples become nations. Because that's the natural course of things. And every household has a culture. Every household has, um, when I say a culture, I, I mean a, a way, a way of being, a way of living. Um, Abraham, uh, the Lord said, I know this man, that he will rule his household after him. And you can see the effects of Abraham upon his children and his Grandchildren, his great grandchildren, and and onward through the through through time, you can see the 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 benefits of a faithful patriarch influencing the generations, and that's that's part and parcel of what makes up uh, the, the the overall manner and way and culture of a household and a tribe. And they, over in Papua New Guinea, I got to spend a year and a half over there with my dad and. And every tribe has their own flavor. Every, every clan has their own flavor. I mean, you've got the rascals and you've got the people who seem to just kind of get along normal. You know, that you've got people who, who have, uh, bad reputations. I remember one guy in the village, in the village, he, he wasn't of the clan and he didn't really have, have any people. He just, they let him live there. And, he was kind of the less least guy in the village. But you know what? His, and he had that humble demeanor about it. He was always just kind of down all the time and struggled and he wasn't really accepted per se. He just, he was just there. He had no people. He didn't have land. He didn't have family heritage. He was lost. Just kind of wherever he ended up, that's where people let him stay. That's where he stayed. But you know, his, his son is doing some really good things. His son got saved. This guy has no reputation whatsoever. 
but his son is amazing. The Lord is just doing great things with his son. This man bears a burden that was not put upon him for whatever reason. He's not welcome. He's not accepted. He carries kind of a, a, a burden. But this man happened to be in the right village for his son to oh, sit with my mom and learn English and read and write. And couldn't, he had no money. He couldn't afford to send him to school. He was the poorest poor man in the village. He had the opportunity to be in the right place at the right time for the Lord to do something with his family. I don't know if uh, if this man is still alive. I haven't heard heard of him in many, many years, but boy, his family sure is doing good. You know, sometimes people bear burdens and that's all they do in their entire life and they die and you look at it and you say, what was the point? Lord, what did you do with... I don't understand. Lord says, just keep watching. You'll understand later on. You'll understand later on. You're not allowed to see. He's not allowed to see. But he will see. The Lord is not uh, unrighteous to forget your labor and work of love. That's what it is. Is it unrighteous? What's the word? I'm misquoting it. Forgetful? The Lord is not uh, forgetful? I think that's it, yeah. So, this is uh, kind of Alcana, to a certain extent. But he's got some flaws, don't we all? He's got some flaws. Back to 1 Samuel chapter 1. And, uh, but unto Hannah, he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. Verse 5, and now we're in verse 6. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. You know, Elkanah was faithful to present his household and offer to the Lord yearly in Shiloh. He was consistent, reliable. I think that's uh, probably something he learned from his father and his grandfathers and his great-grandfather. Just show up, pick up the burden, do your thing. You don't know why. You don't get to see the value of it. Just do what you're told. Be faithful. Be diligent. Be responsible. And that's Elkanah, I think. He's, but he's got some e- flaws that you can easily see. He's got favoritism. He favors, he, he, his first flaw is he's got two wives. But the second flaw is he favors one more than the other. Inequity, failure to judge matters justly. And you begin to get the impression that the, he's just doing only as much as he is required to do. Well, alright guys, he dragged the family up to Shiloh. Sacrifice yearly, but he's 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 taking care of Hannah extra. He's 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 actually causing problems for Hannah. Why jealousy? Jealousy in the family. He's fulfilling the letter of the law, but his spirit's just not right. It says here, and in in, again, 
The, the more and more I, I see the word also, the more I pause. Uh, let's see, where was I? I was in verse uh, 6. And her adversary also provoked her sore. That's talking about Penina. But it says also. <laughs> well, what does Elkanah say? This is pretty provoking. Verse 8, then Elkanah, uh, her husband, said to her, El- Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? And in verse 8, am not I better to thee than ten sons? He knows why. Why did you compare yourself to ten sons if you're asking questions to which you already know the answer? <laughs> in short, I think Elkanah is overcompensating. He's overcomp- He's trying to overcompensate. And in so doing, he's aiding the adversary. Now, the adversary here is, is, is uh, Penina. But you know how the real adversary works through people. And you know how people sometimes make it really easy for other people to have the adversary work through them. Elkanah is not making it easy for Hannah, but he's sure making it easy for Penina to make Hannah's life miserable. He's causing a problem. He's trying to overcompensate. He gives unto Hannah a worthy portion for he loved her. But the Lord said, there's no, there's not going to be any fruit bearing in this scenario. So Elkanah, Elkanah appears to be the problem. But there's other things at work here. And we know that the Lord works all things together for good. And sometimes that can be taking unrelated things or seemingly unrelated things that are just all out of balance and all out of whack, you know, because people make decisions, the Lord allows that. But he, you know, it's kind of like the Lego pile of Legos in the, the kids' room, and they sit down and they say, well, I'm going to make something out of this. And they make something out of all these random pieces. Okay, well, the Lord can work those things together. He does that. But sometimes I wonder if the Lord also works things together in the sense of, simultaneous he's working them together simultaneously in in other words one doesn't move until the other moves one situation doesn't give until the other situation gives my will let's say uh, let's say um in a relationship one person's will is 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 resisting god's will and the other person is stuck in limbo until that other person's will gives the Lord's will. And then both things begin to move forward in the Lord's will, according to his, is according to the Lord's will. That's also possible. I'm not saying that's the case in every situation. And you can't, again, you can't look on the outside. You can't look at the badger skins and, and say, oh, well, I know what's underneath all that. <laughs> And everybody's life, to a certain degree, has got badger skins. They're just unattractive, and and you know. And then sometimes, you know, there's oh, well, that's a a covering of blue and scarlet. Well, that's very pretty, you know. <laughs> but I'd say more often than not, there's badger skins on everything in this life. <laughs> badger skins everywhere, and they stink. 
unless they're tanned really well and perfumed, you know. But mainly, mainly animal skins just have a smell about them, at least to me. If I could smell anything after COVID, but anyways, don't get me started on that. <laughs> but um, but Hannah, you know, there, there's there's the sacrifice. They go to Shiloh. He sacrifices. There's the eating. There's the, the and 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 so there's there's the eating of after the sacrifice. You know the priests get some and they offer some of it to the Lord and there's also some that you eat, you consume, you partake of. But Hannah gets the choices cuts. Let's say it's you know the meat and uh, you know Hannah and or Penina and her and her brood, her clan of children that she has, they don't get the best cuts. Hannah gets the best cut. She gets the best, best meat. She can't eat it. She doesn't feel worthy of it. She knows it's just causing jealousy. And that's why she can't eat. She goes up there and she, oh no. I mean, it was bad enough that the sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, caused the people to abhor the sacrifice of the Lord because of the, how they were conducting themselves in the temple. Laying with the women at the door, all that, just, you know, all of this horrible stuff going on. It was bad enough that people abhorred going to sacrifice yearly at the temple because of who was running the temple. But it's even worse to, to go through all of that and, 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 and have your, your husband favor you with the best, best cuts and the best meats. She can't eat it. Her stomach's in knots. She's constantly badgered about, no pun intended, constantly badgered about <laughs> uh, just, what are you good for around here? But she's good for something. But it just isn't seen yet. But she can't eat the, she can't eat it. Now, the law says that you have to eat the meat or you gotta burn it. You can't leave it until the third day it has to be burned. So, in a family, a large family, Penina is, and it says sons and daughters, so she's got, you know, quite a few kids. I don't know how old they are, but, um, in my household, if it's a really tasty dinner, you know, and the kids aren't being picky, you know, eh, I don't like this, mom. If they're really like, there is, there are no leftovers. They are, they are filling those hollow legs. They're getting big. So I imagine that Hannah's Hannah's uh, portion is not left to the third day and then just put in the incinerator. <laughs> oh no, somebody gets to enjoy that. Who gets to enjoy the best cut? The adversary. Why? When things are not right. When the man of the household is not leading correctly. Um, when he's overcompensating. When he's not in balance. And, uh, you know, sometimes you give your best to the devil, the adversary, when, when you try to overcompensate for something that the Lord is doing. And the Lord is doing it for a reason. And if something's not, if something seems off, maybe the Lord's the one doing it. And that, the Lord, you know how the Lord works. He, he, there's paradoxes all throughout the Bible. And so, well, this is just the devil. Are you sure? 
Well, it could be the devil, but if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, how, how would you know? How can you talk to the Lord and have peace that this is of the Lord? Give me peace about this, Lord. Is this you? Okay. What do I need to do? But Elkanah, he's just compensating. <laughs> That's the male way. Overcompensate, you know. Um, if you're a tiny guy, you know, usually you see the big truck, you know, pull up in the park. It's not always the big guy. It's sometimes it's the short little guy. <laughs> big truck, small guy, you know. And I'm just joking, but um, I know uh, I, I used to work with a gal who had drove the big truck. She was this tiny little thing. I mean, she literally needed a ladder to get into that thing. <laughs> I don't think she was overcompensating, though. She just liked big trucks. But But men typically are the ones who overcompensate. And so it's just that way. But his, Elkanah's love is sincere. His overcompensating is sincere. You can do the wrong thing for the right reason <laughs> all the time. And, uh, and after a while, you begin to figure out something's not right. Lord, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> Insecurities. Oh, man. His overcompensation doesn't make the situation right. His inability to fix a problem that God put there doesn't make it right. Uh, his indifference, after a while, you just kind of give up and say, oh, well, this is just the way it is. You just give up praying about it. Isaac, when Rebecca couldn't bear children, Isaac entreated the Lord on her behalf. It doesn't say Alcana did, but when Isaac and Rebecca were married and, and, uh, that was 20 years before they had um, Jacob and Esau. 20 years. And it says he entreated the Lord on her behalf. doesn't say he did it for 20 years, but it says he did. But Isaac, he's the son of Abraham. I, Abraham was a faithful man. I, I, I'm willing to give Isaac the benefit of the doubt that he prayed for 20 years, faithfully prayed for his wife, Rebecca. That's a, that's a, that's a good man. I mean, Isaac had his faults in his old age, little ones, but he was a good man. So, when God inserts situations in the people's lives, sometimes because he's allowing something of future value to take place. And it may not appertain directly to that person. They just might be a cog in the juggernaut that brings forth something amazing. It might have everything to do with a son or a daughter or a wife <laughs> or a grandchild or a friend that you don't even know yet. It might have everything to do with that. Elkanah ends up doing the right things, but after the breaking point. Notice the sense of unity here. So, so Hannah goes to the temple. You, 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 you know the story. She prays the Lord. And, and, and Eli's response to her, you know, he says, how long are you going to be drunken? Put away, put away thy wine from thee. I don't know if this is not the first time El- uh, Eli the priest has observed Hannah being uh, bitterness of soul and weeping in the temple every year. It says every year she's tore up inside. She goes and she prays. She says, Lord, but 
It says, this time she vows a vow unto the Lord. She says, okay, Lord, I want to rub so much in Penina's face. (laughs) But if you just let me have a son, I'll give him back. If only I could have one. Oh, now that. So she vows a vow. She says, okay, Lord, it's not about me getting back. It's not about me rubbing it in somebody's face. It's not about me being of value as a, as a woman in Israel, childless, shameful. It's not about me anymore, Lord. Just let me have a child and I'll give them to you. And so the Lord answers her prayer. And in, in getting the, the, the Eli, the priest says, uh, in verse 17, go in peace and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. I don't know how much confidence Hannah had in Eli. <laughs> I mean, you can look at the mess. Everybody knew Eli wasn't controlling his sons, Hophni and Phineas. But she doesn't take it from him as from him. She takes it from him as from the Lord. She vows a vow, and now there's traction. Now the rubber has, <laughs> now there's, there's rubber on the pavement. And uh, she said, let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. And so the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. I, I kind of like to visualize she leaves the temple, and she's got something different this time around. And, uh, you know, the Bible says, uh, tribulation worketh patience and, and patience, uh, worketh experience. No, patience, patience, experience and experience hope and hope makes not ashamed. Well, she's been through some tribulation and she's been through, she's got some experience through those tribulations and she's learned some patience. Um, and she's got experience and now she's got, she's, she's got hope. She's still praying. But now she's got something else. She's not ashamed anymore. She's not carrying around the, I'm worthless. I'm a, I'm a useless appendage to this family. She's got confidence now. Hope maketh not ashamed. The Lord gives her, gives her an answer. And so she marches back to that table, I imagine. And just as Penina reaches over to grab her steak, <laughs> Slap! <laughs> Grab that! Mm, I'm gonna eat this steak. <laughs> and Elkane is like, "Whoa, <laughs> something's different." <laughs> Give me that steak. I'm not letting you have it. Amen. Amen. She doesn't let the adversary get the best cut anymore. <laughs> She's got some. Elkane sees that. And Elkanah's, wow. Well, let's look at the, uh, let's look at the family dynamic here. Uh, verse, uh, verse 19, and they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord. They rose up early. Well, they're kind of a family unit now. Before it was just Elkanah doing all this, dragging his family here and there. It says, now they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hain his wife and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come 
about after Hannah had, was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked him of the Lord, not because I have rubbed it in the face of Penina. <laughs> no. In the man, Elkanah, and all his house, all of them, went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. And his vow, Elkanah, is now not just going through the motions. He's offered his vow. This is the first time Elkanah is mentioned in offering, in, in offering a vow. Hannah offers a vow to the Lord. Now Elkanah is offering a vow unto the Lord. But I think Elkanah should have been the one to do it first. Whatever that vow was, there is a sense of unity in this family now. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good, tarry until thou have weaned him. Only the Lord establish his word. So the woman abode, and she gave her son suck until she weaned him. And you know the rest of the story. But we can learn from Elkanah that he uh, he was uh, he was a bit of a wrench in the works. And uh, it took a, uh, a, a, it took a wife to get through the bitterness and finally seek the Lord out. He had a good wife. And you know what they say, behind every halfway decent man is a really good wife. <laughs> and so, uh, but we can learn from Elkanah that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe had he taken the initiative, uh, maybe Hannah would have done a lot better. Maybe Hannah would not have had to bear so much burden. And uh, so there's something to learn about Elkanah. There's something to learn about Hannah, to learn about uh, bearing burdens and to understand that some people bear things that you'll never see and uh, they'll never see. But Samuel came from that and Samuel anointed the greatest king that Israel ever had. And uh, we have promises based on that king. The sure mercies of David. So, all right, uh, folks, uh, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, thank you for this time. And uh, Lord, bless the service to come, I pray. And the singing and the visitors, if any be here, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.